Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. So we're now three weeks into The Last Dance, and uh, we've loved it so much that we decided to get back on the air and knock some episodes out. So, um, Sean, let's jump right to it, man. So last night, episode five opens up with the All-Star Game 1998 in Madison Square Garden when a young man by the name of Kobe Bryant makes his All-Star Game debut. And he is the topic of conversation in the East Locker Room. They say that little Laker boy is going to try to take everyone one-on-one which is one of my favorite lines of all time ever in anything. And then Michael talks about how, you know, he kind of talks about how Kobe's kind of root, you know, kind of got that, like that chip on his shoulder. And, um, you know, so the chatter is really funny. And then uh, Kobe comes up in these interviews, which obviously is the, you know, a terrible, weird thing to see being that, you know, he just passed not too long ago. Well, same, same thing with David Stern. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You're right, man. Yeah. Um, and, Kobe basically talks about how he asked Mike a question about a shot and they kind of like, he's like, if you need anything, call me. And that's his big brother. And Kobe Bryant says the greatest thing I've ever heard anyone say in the world, Sean, and it back piggybacks off my argument at the end of the show last week when he was like, I can't stay when fans tell me I'd beat Michael Jordan one-on-one because if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, I wouldn't be here. So yes, Kobe Bryant has said your goat debate is stupid. End it now. Perfect. I, I guess. I guess. I guess that's... Do you think that's Kobe admitting that, that he wouldn't be... That's I guess that, that is him admitting that he wouldn't be what he is at all without without Jordan. I mean, he stole a lot of his moves, especially the signature fadeaway. Things well, yeah. of that nature. So, you know, do I... I mean, and, and on top of that, the six championships from Jordan was kind of what greatness was measured and is still measured on now. Before it was it was two or maybe three, you know, and, and now it's six. And, uh, which, you know, Bill Russell's just like, guys, really, you know, but at the same time, it's like, that's, that's kind of what greatness is. And he got five, he, he did. got five, he got five championships and, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, Kobe Bryant, I, I love that he was part of this documentary and I know, they it's got awesome. these, you know, it's, it's a little weird, like you said, in hindsight, but you know, him, him kind of saying that, you know, you know, he, really he really took a lot off of Jordan's game and he did ask him for advice and you know it would be weird to see you know would Kobe Bryant there's a lot of there's a lot of players that started playing in the in the early to mid 90s that may not have been quite as interested in basketball or maybe not even picked up a basketball had they not watched Jordan at some point you know what I mean oh for sure I mean I I wouldn't have been interested in in basketball had it not been for Michael Jordan returning in in 1995 like uh, that was what what spawned my whole obsession with the NBA so you know we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if Michael Jordan wasn't a basketball player so this this you know, not not just because of this documentary, but this would not even be probably an interest of mine. So that's kind of how far you know the Jordan legacy goes, and how much he affects everyone. And I'm I'm glad that they showed Kobe. And it's it is weird seeing that footage from 1998 from the All Star game, and and them kind of like foreshadowing that you know this guy's you know probably yeah, gonna be the next you know, guy. Yeah, and and them kind of wanting to take him back a peg, you know, kind of gonna. 
it, it's it's kind of funny. So, um, but uh, kind of kind of a weird sequence to begin a uh, an episode with, but it was super powerful. Yeah, it was awesome. I, I loved it. Um, and then, <clears throat> so the next scene we get, you know, the Madison Square Garden is really a big part of this episode. Um, which I really like because it not only just talks about the All-Star game, it talks about Michael Jordan, how he loves to play there. It talks about the rivalry with the Knicks in this episode a little bit. Oh, no, was that the next episode? Um, it was the next one. Okay, never mind. But um, hold on. I have my notes here. Anyway, so, you know, they talk about, like, Deshaun Jordan in 98 playing at, you know, the, walking into the Garden for his last game, and he's wearing the Chicago Air Jordan 1s. And he talks about, you know, this, it's my last time playing here. I want to wear these shoes. And he's got like, he's like, my whole toes were bloody at halftime. He's like, but I was having such a good game. I couldn't take the shoes off, which jumps into like the whole thing about the history of Michael Jordan, which this was the episode I was waiting for. This was yeah. the, the shoe brand. Shoe episode. Exactly. This was like MJ, you know, at, at, at what, you know, making the brand become the icon. Talk about how he wanted to sign with Adidas and uh, his mom made him visit Nike and Air Jordan 1 made $126 million and became this huge thing in pop culture. They bring Spike Lee in to, direct the, to produce the Jordan commercials. He gets the character of Marge Blackman. So um, all of that was pretty awesome. And that was something that really jumped out to me. Obviously, you know, like, shoes are a big part of me. We have an article coming up today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, about the legacy of the Jordan brand and what it means to us here at the network, which I'm really excited about. I've been working on. Um, so, you know, for you... I knew all that stuff. That doesn't mean I didn't love to see it again. Was there anything there that you really liked to hear you hadn't heard before? Anything that was like, oh, that's pretty cool? Well, there was a lot of rumors that came out before the episode. <clears throat> you know, I talked about, you know, Adidas, you know, and, and that being his, his preferred uh, shoe of choice at the time. And it did turn out to be, you know, he, he does he does admit that. And his, I think that was so weird is his, his mother basically forced him to go to that meeting. I thought that was one of the more interesting pieces of that because he didn't really want to go and they're like, go ahead and go. And, uh, you know, it was an upstart at the time. And it's just it's really interesting to um, to, uh, you know, see exactly, uh, you know, how that all came about. And and on top of that, you know, the thing, the thing about Jordan's, you know, feet bleeding, you know, being soaked with blood and everything, I'm. I'm I don't know if I believe all that. There's, I didn't see any pictures or video of it, you know. I know that he said that, but it's like he wore the same shoes, you know, years before, you know. It's like it's not like uh, and he was he was doing fancier stuff back in the 90s, you know. So he was more ath- or I'm sorry, back in the 80s, he was more athletic and everything. So I'm not really sure if I believe that unless you give me some pictures. That's that's definitely a a, a picture didn't happen kind of thing with me cuz I I don't know. It seems a little suspect to me. I know it, it's it's a bad cons- conspiracy. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's it's a good story, but you know it's like you know go ahead, let's see it. Come on, but uh, you know I and I thought it was so funny, like kind of the the laughs that he got for wearing those shoes uh, at that at that All Star game, as you know, and and they're, they're, they're some of the sickest. No, it wasn't an All Star game. It was a Bulls game. Bulls game. Bulls game. I'm sorry. And yeah, it was the last. I'm sorry. It was the last. It was the last Bulls game at the uh, at the Garden. So. Uh, you know, he got some laughs for it, but like now looking back at it, those shoes are so commonplace now. And like, you know, it's more, you know, anybody, anybody's wearing them, you know, super fly guys are wearing them. Hipsters are wearing them. Everybody's wearing them now. They're just, you know, but, but the fact that, you know, you know, 
20 or 15 years after he he or yeah, was it 15 yeah 15 years after pretty much where where he started where, where he wore the one game it's just i don't know it's just I, I just thought it was kind of funny that they were making such a big deal about it because now today i mean a basketball player probably wouldn't wear their shoes today in a game but because it doesn't offer as much support but it's like he did wear those yeah pj tucker <clears throat> wore them a couple years ago in a game and it was like oh ow God, yeah. like, watching him well, like land on his heels, like like that is my shoe of choice. Like I have so many pairs of the Air Jordan One; it's my favorite shoe ever. Yeah, <clears throat> like I know that like I can't go play basketball in them because I will one either rip them or two I will break my foot. So like for like him to be like, yeah, I just broke them out. See what happens. It's like, oh, all right then. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's kind of funny thinking back about that because it's you know they're just they were designed for basketball. You know, but but so were the the Chuck Taylors at one point. So it's the like Puma Clydes. So yeah, yeah. So Puma, yeah, exactly. So so there, all these shoes that were were designed for for basketball at a certain time are are like painful uh, uh, torture shoes now. It's just kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the Jordan One has basically become like like you kind of mentioned earlier. It, it's almost become like our age group's Chuck Taylor. Like it's that shoe. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like. <clears throat> there's high tops and there's low tops and there's the mids now that are becoming making a run, especially and, overseas. And they're and they're widely available now too. Yeah, they're a great shoe. They're still you know? hard to find colorways for sure. I'm still sure. chasing quite a few myself. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, there's so many colorways. The way the Nike swoosh pops on it is just so beautiful. Which yes, I'm going to describe all this in the article that's out today on the network on the website. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I thought that was cool. Like that was a big part for me that I wanted to see, and you know. They had the little like montage there where they reference like <clears throat> all the um all like the pop culture references to Jordan Brand and like Spike Lee movies specifically like do the right thing when um Giancarlo Esposito is walking down the street and someone scrapes his Air Jordans and he's like I got him for one ten one eighteen with tax yeah yeah <laughs> now it's like man I wish I bought those shoes for one ten um and then you know they get they show the classic is it the shoes it's got to be the shoes and like all that stuff so. Um, that was pretty cool, and then it kind of cuts to the '92 finals, and talk, they showed B.J. Armstrong. One of my favorite quotes was, "He let us play, but he was there to win." And it goes to like talking about Clyde Drexler and how Michael, yeah, he's, he viewed Clyde as a threat, but he also did not like to be compared to him. And that's of course the shrug game. He has 35 points at the half. And Magic Johnson tells the story about how it was. <clears throat> they were at Michael's house the night before playing cards, and he was just like. I'm going to get him. And Magic Johnson says the shrug was at him, which it looks like it is now that I get that. But um, going into, you know, the 92 finals was a lot of fun. And just seeing, like, them talk about that and Magic being a part of it, like, working for NBC. Um, but that was that was a lot of cool – that was, like, a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so with uh, with the – it's kind of it's kind of funny because – Going back and forth on on that that first that first episode, especially the the All Star Game stuff, um, it was kind of funny to look back and, and and you kind of forget that that Larry Bird was the coach of the Eastern All Stars in nineteen eight ninety eight. I know that, that was something that like I I truly forgot happened, but they were I mean that that was the team that obviously made them go the distance that year, but. There was a line that that really got me while they were leaving and. Larry Bird, in the most Larry Bird way, while they're walking out the door, says, Hey, Michael, you want a piece of his ass? <laughs> and that 
was just like one of the one of the greatest things. It, it was like the most Larry Bird statement ever. Yeah, and the second one was in that same clip when he goes, "Well, if we're here, we might as well win." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Larry Larry is the king of of no emotion or or deadpan humor and like that was just that was just perfect to me. That was just perfect cuz I mean, I I know everybody always goes back and they and if you look at the the game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals that year, the reaction on Larry Bird's face when yeah. the Bulls win and everybody's going crazy and he is just completely emotionless and dead inside. <laughs> like it's one of the greatest and it's like he's like, you know, and and you know that he's just stewing inside going, "God damn it. Jordan beat me." here we are, like, he beat me and I'm not even playing anymore. You know, it was like that look, it, like, it said so much, and it basically ended his his coaching career. Yeah, I was say, did he, he got coach of the year one year too, didn't he? That, that was it, I think. Gosh. Yeah. It's so weird to think about. And it's funny, like, I, and he, he only coached for a couple years, but, like, damn, I, I, I feel like we kind of, like, look back at it, we don't really look, look back at his coaching career enough and go, you know what, like, he wasn't that bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was. He was he coach was, of the year. He was he coach was, of the year ninety eight. Yeah, and he was the head coach of the Pacers team that played in the NBA championship against the Lakers. I just, I never understand like why, why he would walk away like that. I, I don't know if it was that game that just like took him out of it, but it's like, you know, he was he, uh, he was just as competitive as a coach as he was, you know, a basketball player, but you know, in kind of a little bit more uh, pan down way. So, but it's it's. That was just kind of one of those things that I kind of forgot about until you, you look back at these things. And, I, you know, you remember the seven-game series of the Pacers, but that all-star game and, and seeing Magic and and seeing uh, uh, Larry Bird. And it's funny because Magic came back in 96. Yeah. So, and it's like if he would have stayed one more year, he would have he would have played with Shaq and Kobe. And you know who, who took – who uh, Larry Bird was the predecessor of for the for the head coaching job of the Pacers? Um, go ahead, Isaiah Thomas. That's right. I mean, I, I totally forgot about that too. Yeah, made sense. He's an Indiana boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Larry Bird. Yeah, well, he's not an Indiana boy. He was he he played for the Hoosiers. That was it. Yeah, he's so. from Chicago. He's from Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Which, like you, uh, you kind of bring that up, like the Michael thing, the Magic thing, and them, and that was like the perfect segue with because you know Clyde also. They go and talk about the Olympics. They talk about the dream team. And Mike's like, oh, I got a report in like two weeks, right? And he's like, what do you say? He's like, if um, if Doc plays me more than 10 minutes, I'm quitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they dive into Isaiah Thomas and the story we've heard forever. If you watch the dream team documentary that came out a couple years ago on NBA Network, we're not telling you anything you haven't heard already here. Um, they talk about Isaiah Thomas. They go into the infamous practice game with Magic Johnson. They talk about the whole Tony Kukoc thing when Michael and Scotty just wanted to destroy him because Jerry Krause loved him so much. Um, you know, they talk about the gold medal game. Then they go, of course, they talk about the dream team thing with like Michael weren't covering Reebok. But obviously, like the one of the biggest moments of basketball history is the '92 Olympic team. Um, it's you know the greatest talent assembled ever on a team. I think the 2012 team is the closest we'll get to it. Um, but just really funny how it was like they got into the detail because in the dream team doc they didn't talk about the Reebok thing they didn't talk about the gold medal game against Croatia against Tony Kukoc so that was a few few of the things that they kind of they kind of touched on yeah yeah the uh, the Tony Kukoc stuff was something I was really looking forward to um 
with, uh, you know, because, I mean, over the years, even, you know, while I was watching them in the 90s, there were so many rumblings that, you know, especially the game, the one that you can you can go back and, and watch on YouTube, I think back in 94, where um, um, Scotty asked out of the play because he wants uh, Tony Kukoc to, to shoot the final shot. He gets pissed off, doesn't check in. Tony Kukoc hits the shot. They win the game, and there's, like, no reaction from Phil Jackson because he's just so pissed off at Scotty. Um <clears throat> And I, I feel like there was a lot of animosity towards Tony Kukoc, but <clears throat> he didn't deserve any of it. And I think in retrospect, you know, they know he's a great player, you know, one of the greatest Euro players of all time. You know, I I know I'm, I'm a little biased. I think he needs to be in the Hall of Fame because it, it you know, I, we're, we're looking at his, his, his vast basketball career that wasn't just in the NBA. And I, I'll be honest with you. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be controversial. I'm going to go ahead and say this, but I think Stefan Marbury deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for what he did in China. I don't think I, I don't really think that's controversial. You don't think that's controversial? Like I, I, like I mean, when we're talking about the basketball Hall of Fame, it's not just the NBA. It's not just college. Uh, it's you know, I, I, I feel like those kind of accomplishments should be should be included in there. And uh, Tony Kukoc had a great Euro career before he before he got there, and it was it was interesting, you know, talking him talking about how he was making more money in Europe in the time than he would have made playing in the NBA, and and <clears throat> just the just the the absolute sheer shade that they threw at Jerry Krause over this over going in and securing this contract in Croatia over Scottie Pippen. I mean, it's just it's wild to think that happened, and. But they just really let him have it on that first game. Yeah, they did. And it's, you know, like I said, like, it's it's very detailed, the Dream Team doc, too. But you can tell, like, I think in the Dream Team doc, there's a point. I think it's, might be Scotty or maybe it's Carl Malone that's like, no, not Scotty, but it might be Magic. It's Carl Malone that someone's like, can they just, like, let that kid breathe? Like, <laughs> you know, like I mean, it, they just they just didn't let him do anything. And Barkley took it at him, too. Like, all of them took yeah. it at him, you know, and it was his first game. And and in the medal game, I mean, he played well, you know, um, yeah. which which was fine and everything. And he, he ended up going, you know, to Chicago and becoming, you know, sixth man of the year in 1996, an integral part of the three-peats. Uh, in the late yeah, when 90s. Scotty's hurt, he's just starting small forward. Yeah, yeah, and he filled in, and he's and he was a. I'll, I'll tell you, I was a big Tony Kukoc fan Same. back then. Like I, you know, being a six foot ten left handed uh, Euro uh, small forward power forward combo. I mean, it was it was a little unique at the time, and uh, he was just a really cool player. <clears throat> and he was the guy left over in '99 for that awful Bulls team. Yeah, and I and I I I'll always this is one thing I'll I will always remember the the game that they came back to play the very first game of the season in 1999 and I I want to say it was on maybe WG in America it wasn't broadcasted on anything I don't even remember who they played but they they tipped off there was barely anybody in the stands from what I remember and they're like and they're off to defend their sixth championship <laughs> and like I mean like. Like, as a fan, I don't think I've ever been more sad <laughs> than that moment right there. They're off to defend. And Harper was still there. Um, Kukoc, Randy Brown. I, I, Bill Winnington. Bill Winnington. I mean, it was it was the saddest. <laughs> Brent was, Berry was on the team. Brent Berry was on that team, too. Yeah, yeah. I think he – was he that, that year? Mm-hmm. I don't – okay, okay. Um, but it was it was really 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 sad looking back at that, and I'll I'll never forget watching that game, and I I didn't even make it to halftime, so 
It was just so sad because it's like it's like it was a tr- it, that was truly when it kicked in that uh, it was the end of an era. Yeah, it was over. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially the year after that, they go seventeen sixty five. It's like, oh god. Um, that's the year John Starks plays for the Bulls. Is that year? So if that tells you anything. Um, and then of course, like this is they, they kind of go back a little bit more to the Nike brand. Obviously, they share the if I could be like my commercial. And I was thinking to myself, Sean, I was like, we're having all these things make a comeback for this last dance. Um, can we get glass bottle Gatorades again? Oh man, you're right. The, the best tasting Gatorade. The youngins don't understand. Oh, the squeezy man. bottle was great. But glass bottle Gatorade after you worked out or like had played a basketball game, like nothing like it. I, I actually kind of forgot about that to be honest with you, but you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. It's the way I feel yeah. about Coca Cola, man. I feel like in a glass bottle it's just oh, it's, it's just tastes it's 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 its best. Especially especially Mexican Coke. But yes. it's uh it's it's on a different level. It's for sure on a different level. Agreed. <laughs> um, but they kind of talk about how, like, Mike was this big thing in Barcelona. And, um, you know, they get into the whole Republicans buy sneakers too thing, which everyone's kind of talks about. Barack Obama, like, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. And, like, they kind of go through that. And then they talk about, they end the episode with uh, talking about how ridiculous the tickets were for the 97-98 season. Not only in Chicago, but on the road and how the players were pissed off. They couldn't get, like, as many tickets as they wanted. Just crazy pandemonium and, and, and randy brown basically shaking down jordan for tickets yes <laughs> and then they show like the montage of like celebrities that are at the games it's like brandy it's like jerry, jerry seinfeld. seinfeld yeah he's in the locker room which is hilarious oh yeah and he seemed he seemed like in that company he just seemed so weaselly to me I know. like he's like all right well, like i guess phil wants me and it's like like you want to think that like Michael Jordan probably watched Seinfeld, but he's probably like, God, this guy's a dork, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, he's like, he talks about the security guards. He's like, they love your show. They watched them all. Like, yeah, they watched it every yeah. day before the game, and yeah, that was awesome. I, I really liked that. But like this year, they they like, whereas they're at the Georgia Dome playing the Hawks, and it's like filled. Now to put in context, the Georgia Dome is a football stadium where like yes. Atlanta Falcons played. Yeah, yeah, and it is filled to the brim for Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back in time and, and go to one of those games, I would. You know? Oh, for sure. It's, it's, no doubt about it. doesn't matter what game it is. You'd still want to our trip to Indy to see Michael Jordan, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it would be it would be fun. So it's one of those it's one of those like great regrets. I, I've never I never got to watch, you know, Jordan play basketball. So, um, yeah, because I've live. seen. Yeah, I've seen just about I'm trying to think I've seen a lot of great players in this day. You know, obviously I've seen LeBron. I've seen Giannis. I've seen Durant. I've seen Kyrie. I've seen. You know, Boogie Cousins when he was healthy. I've seen a lot of, like, really, really good players. Yeah. But I didn't see Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Or Tim Duncan. Yeah, I know. Or Shaq. Yep. So, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those regrets, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you've seen LeBron James, though. Twice. You've seen LeBron twice, so that's... I've that's... seen Kyrie four times somehow. <laughs> eh. Yeah. Eh. I've seen Paul George a lot. Yeah. 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 You've, you've had a few of them, so you've yeah, seen, been lucky. You got to see Gary Payton coach a game. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I got you to did see. Too. I mean, I got to go see Aaron McKee coach a game today. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. McKee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's a coach at Temple. Yeah, <laughs> you're I like what? I got to be Penny Hardaway and Patrick Ewing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. man, it was pretty, it's been we, cool. We've, we've seen we've seen some cool players over the last in, in different roles. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> but Aaron McKee, I was kind of like, Aaron McKee? Like, he's coaching Temple? Like, what is this? Like, I, but yet, I, I didn't know until I got there. We saw Kenyon Martin actually play basketball. We did. We did. In the late twilight of his career. <laughs> yes. Post-NBA 
Kenyon Martin. Yeah, and Rashid, uh, Rashid or was it Rashard Lewis. We saw him play. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he was good. Bonzi Wells was good still. Yeah, yeah. Mike Bibby and, was and, not. And, and, and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, man. Like forty-seven, just balling. Dude, dude, dude could outplay anybody at a rec center tonight. He does. I'm he's, sure he's, he does. He's he's in phenomenal shape. Like no one talks about him. I know he got kind of towards the end of his career, especially with the the national anthem thing and the wearing the duct taped over his shoes and all that stuff. It was super controversial at the time. You know, uh, you know, he kind of faded out. But like that guy, I'll, I'll tell you, if you ever have a chance to go see Mahmoud Abdul Rouf ball against anyone, go do it, man. He can still play. Yeah. He can still play. It was fun. Yes. Him and Gary Payton didn't really like each other in the NBA, and then he's playing as he's playing for him. Oh yeah, kind of weird actually. Yeah, it is. Kind of weird. So episode five was my favorite so far. I gotta admit, um, but episode six is really freaking good too. Um, it opens with like the how hard is the Michael be Michael Jordan commercial shoot? You hear a ton of gambling stories. This is where we're introduced to the security guard that beats him in quarters, and he does the whole like shrug. Shrug. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just become like the meme of the day and everything. Yes. That and Isaiah Thomas is like, I thought I made that. I thought I fit that criteria. Um, <laughs> <he's selected. laughs> um, I will go ahead and say this. Uh, I, 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 I. Every episode of this this series has been fantastic, but I. I Episode six is the one that I've enjoyed the least so far yeah. um, in terms of this, because it, it's a lot of um, going into, obviously, the, you know, uh, the Jordan rules, the yeah. Sam Smith controversy, which really wasn't a controversy. And it's and this is true. You know, anytime a, a team, you know, wins and wins and wins, you want to see him lose. You want to see him, you know. Just like absolutely, your your undying hate for the Golden State Warriors a couple years ago, which was uncanny. And and you wanted to see them lose more than anything, and I kind of wanted to see him keep winning because I was just like, this is this team is just too fun at this point. But um, people do want to see they want to see a team knocked off. It gets boring for um, um, for for fans to watch somebody win over and over again. And you know the Cavs and the Warriors going at it, you know, three or four years in a row was a little, you know, meh. You know, meh. To, to 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 watch over the years. So, but Jordan, I, I never got tired of watching Michael Jordan win at basketball. And no. and the thing that I did enjoy the most about Episode Six, the parallels that they draw between the 1993 season and the 1998 season, are kind of uncanny. Um, Jordan has has he admits in a in a interview with Ahmad Rashad that he may retire at the end of the season. He kind of. Yeah. He says that, which, you know, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was a thing then, you know. And then, of course, you know, his, you know, uh, we're going to find out, you know, his, his father's death and everything. And then going to baseball later on in the next episode, which I'm really excited about, actually. Um, but it's just interesting to see, you know, how much that, you know, how much crap he got for going out and gambling. And it's like this dude was playing in a... At a, at a high volume all the time and he was going out and gambling at two and o'clock in the morning whereas Rodman was in Vegas for more than 48 hours and yeah, was able to Carmen go Electra. To, and was able yeah and with Carmen Electra and was able to go back the next day and perform at a high level um, these guys were superstars and um, I I'm not sure there's gonna be a whole lot of guys down the line that are gonna be you know Michael Jordan or Dennis Rodman but to see the way that, that he was able to perform and, you know, but so much emphasis was placed that year on his extracurricular activities, which 
it's fine. What does it matter if he, you know, if he goes out and gambles? I mean, I, it doesn't, what does it matter? He's a, but the best thing, the best part of that entire thing was the Connie Chung interview when she asked him, do you think I have a gambling problem? He goes, no, I think I have a competitive problem. I have a competition problem. Competition problem. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) isn't that what every gambler's problem is? He wants to win. He wants, I mean, that's the thing. So, um, but, uh, what did you think about him actually like wanting? Because it was so funny because he had weird relationships with certain uh, media personalities, and he was really tight with Amad Rashad. And him, he's like, "Let's go ahead and do this interview," and he does it in in sunglasses, yes. <laughs> like, indoors, as as shady as he could have possibly looked. Like like you know, it's like no normal person after doing something they're not ashamed of wears sunglasses to an interview. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun, um, just how they kind of got into that. And, you know, like I said, Michael had that relationship with Ahmad Rashad, and that was, like, it. Because, uh, you know, Sam Smith's book comes out with the Jordan rules and talks about how he punched Will Perdue at practice. And, obviously, I know the next episode, they're already releasing the clip where he talks about when he punched Steve Kerr. Um, and he kind of, like, Sam Smith does that interview where he's like, yeah, I was told that my book could help the team. I was told that my book could actually, like, push the Bulls, like, come together more. And it's like... All right. Any Bulls fan knows that Sam Smith's a weasel. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. But I will say this: Sam Smith is a great writer. He is a he great. Is. He is a great writer. Um, he's a Hall of Fame writer, and um, there's a lot of things that were that were weaselly back then that he did, and it was a it was an all access look, and nobody had that, and you know it ended up becoming a you know a bestseller and kind of the defining moment of Sam Smith's career. And, and that's fine. Did that sever his relationship with Michael Jordan? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but now he works for the Bulls, which is hilarious. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a company man now for Chicago, but, uh, he went on Howard Beck a couple weeks back to kind of set the record straight about a few things. And he talked about, you know, the, you know, Republicans buy sneakers thing too, which was a, you know, it was said as a joke. And it's it's been taken like way out of context over the last couple weeks with this documentary going on, but um, you know it's interesting to hear some of the some of the, if you haven't listened to the podcast it's actually a very informative one. I, I he's you know he was he was there during the thick of everything and um, listening to him talk about uh, you know what happened during those years is very interesting to me he totally is a weasel though i completely agree with you but he's he's a phenomenal writer and i and one other thing i i I used to back in the mid-2000s i used to write to him when he worked for the tribune still and we would he would do q a's every like a mailbag every week and he almost always answered my questions every week on 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 their website so i always really appreciated that by him so that's my that's my bit about about sam smith (laughs) man Get a little passionate there, don't you, Sean? Got a little passionate about it. He's a weasel, though. I agree with you. Yeah. So, obviously, they talk about the 93 Knicks and, like, that whole rivalry and how physical it was. And I, like, so I, like, got curious about this because it's, like, you know, Pippen's, like, well, they tried to be what we were to the Pistons. And I looked at that Knicks roster. Yeah. They sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, like, yeah, yeah, Patrick Ewing. And it's, like, John Starks is your next best player? No, o- John, John, okay. John was it. A- John Starks was very much the uh, the J.R. Smith of that era. Like he's one of those guys who could get hot, and he could play with some passion and just and just go out there. But but nobody nobody talks smack like John. 
that was the thing. John John was one of those people, and like watching him in interviews now, like he just seems a little bit more quiet and reserved compared to what he was doing back then. But I mean, that dunk that he had uh, in that series over over Michael Jordan is is probably one of the greatest dunks I've ever seen. Yeah, because Allen Houston was not there yet. He oh was still no, in Detroit. No, it's like oh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, that, that that roster was very awful. Like I think like Anthony Mason was on that team, who was you know solid. Um, but like other than that, that team was Z- pretty. Z- uh, Xavier McDaniel. Yeah, because they showed him and Jordan get into it. Yeah, I mean he was he was kind of their their big acquisition that year, um, and he was him and him and Jordan hated each other. They hated oh, yeah. each other. So, um, who was the point guard that year? Uh, I think it was Greg Anthony. It was Greg really? Something cre- was it? Hold in on. 1993? Are we talking about 1993? Let me pull it up again. He's not, he's not, he wasn't on that team. Pulling it up. It is Greg Anthony. It is. Okay. Okay. Greg Anthony, Derek Harper were the point guards. Hubert Davis was on that team. Oh boy, everyone was scared when he came in the game. <laughs> so we're talking the 92-93 um New York Knicks, correct? Doc That's Rivers what, was on that team. Doc Doc was on there. I knew I knew he was on there. And then Herb, uh, Herb Williams, Bo Kimball, Rolando Blackman was there. Yeah. Tony Campbell, formerly of the Minnesota Timberwolves, was there. So they they had a couple people. This is not a great roster. This is definitely not the best Knicks roster. <laughs> no, that team sucks. This this team sucks. This is this is uh, uh this is pre their battles with uh, Reggie Miller. So. If LeBron went down 2-0 to this team, people would tear him to shreds even if he came back and won the series. Do you, I mean, you know, I, I know that that Patrick, you know, Ewing always says, you know, we hated each other, you know, we, you know, they hated the Bulls, the Bulls hated the Knicks and everything, but looking back at it in retrospect, do you think Patrick Ewing was soft? No, not really. I think Patrick Ewing was... I think Patrick Ewing, honestly, when you look at the NBA, because people talk about the best centers of all time, and they're like, you know, Kareem, Wilt, Shaq, Hakeem. I feel like Ewing's never mentioned before. Like, yeah, I agree. And like, Ewing's super underrated now, I, and he yeah. shouldn't be because he was incredible. I, I feel like I feel like he's he's mislabeled as soft a lot because of how many times he lost. But he was he was a tough dude. Dude, like, I I hated watching him. Like I never. In, in my days watching the Bulls battle with the Knicks, uh, there was no one that I hated more than Patrick Ewing. Because um, he, was, he was a scary guy, man. He was so mean. And I'll never forget, my dad would watch games with me back in the day, and he'd be like, I hate that guy. He looks so mean. <laughs> that would be what he would always say about him. He looks so mean. Why he looks so mean all the time? And he did. He was just, I mean, and it's funny because I don't really think he looks that way now because you see him smiling. He's a little bit more animated now than he was back then. But back then, man, he just scowled at everyone. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed him three times now. Did he scowl and at you? No, but he is scary. <laughs> He's a scary guy. Dude, the first time I interviewed him, I was literally so nervous. My heart was beating. You could hear it through the microphone. <laughs> like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. That really was what happened. <laughs> But, like, you know, that team that he took to the finals, and remember, the NBA was shortened that year, that 98-99 team. They were literally 27-23 and 23 and went to the NBA championship that year. Like, Patrick Wait, Ewing... Hey, 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 went to two NBA finals that man. Oh, I know. I know he, you know, the, the one they lost to the Rockets, too. But yeah. um, this roster was, like, solid. But, yeah, like, Patrick Ewing, I agree, totally underrated. Um, I, it, it blows my mind that when people, like, list, like, these centers, it's, like, I feel like they name like sometimes ten guys before him, and I go, 
No, there's not ten centers in the in the league history is better than Patrick Ewing. There's there a, might be six. There might be eight or so. But there's a lot of people you look back at now that were absolutely great. You look back at their stats and you're like, God damn, these guys were were fantastic. And it's like Patrick Ewing was on the freaking dream team. Yeah, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Like he's, he was the starting he's, center on the dream great. team. It's like there's like so and there's more underrated players on there. Like I I always I always feel like Chris Mullen always kind of gets the shaft too. Yes, like he's another player totally. who is just he was phenomenal even in his late years when he was playing for Indiana. He was still great. So it's like, you know, I, there's so many players that that have gotten lost over time that were just so so good. And I feel like you know, especially Chris Mullen's game would would translate so well to today's game. You yeah, know? Patrick. Ewing kind of falls in that like it's almost not fair because he played in the 90s with Hakeem with Shaq with David Robinson with Alonzo Mourning like guys like that like a true decade of big men outstanding big men back then like now everybody has a great point guard but back then everybody had a great center I feel like you know like the the Bulls didn't but the Bulls had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen but they were the they were one of the first teams that revolved a a championship around a shooting guard most most teams were revolved around a a point guard or a center or both or whatever it's like I feel like the only like (laughs) I mean the Bulls obviously they had Luke Luke Longley, who was serviceable. I'm just going to go ahead. Serviceable. Yeah, he, was, he was fine. S- serviceable for what they needed him for. Big footer, took up some space, hit some easy shots. Great. Get the boards. Yeah. Bill Winnington, able to hit a real nice, you know, 15-foot jumper. Great. But it's like, when you look at, like, all these centers that played back then, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, um, you know, Hakeem, Shaq, all these places. And then, like, you know, it's like Ronnie Cycli didn't didn't stand a chance against these guys. You look at some of these centers that were on some of those rosters back then, and it's like the league was so uh, there were so many teams that were bad for so long because you know they couldn't get that one player. But there were so many of those players that were you know drafted in the '80s that were playing still in the '90s for the same team and you know still rolling along. And the Knicks were one of those teams. Yeah, they were. They were awesome. Uh, not really though. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they were, but they weren't. Yeah, they were. They were a good team, but their collective talent was no. Jeff Van Gundy's a very good coach. That's what I'll say there. Yeah. Um, but then you know they go through them. They talk a lot about the slim bowler stuff, which kind of goes to the modern shot interview. Um, this is where Charles Barkley comes in because they start talking about the finals and Barkley has the quote, if you want to beat someone, it's Michael Jordan. Mike mentions he's upset Barkley got the MVP. He's like, he took this from me, so I'm going to take that from him. They talk about like, take that from you. Yeah. Yeah. They talked about like how he's like, I knew Jerry loved Dan Marley. He said he was a great defense player. He's like, I'm going to prove he's not. And just typical Michael Jordan. Like, and Dan whoop. Marley was a great defensive player. But he's <laughs> like, he's like, I'm going to make him look like a complete jackass for an entire series. And, and Dan, I mean, that was... Besides hitting three-pointers, that was Dan Marley's specialty. He was a defender, man, but it's like yeah. he just – I mean, like he took offense. And, and, and the same thing, Larry Bird was was wired the exact same way that Jordan was. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, you know when he talked about how his tickets got messed up for a game and he basically took it out on the team that he was playing against, he would use anything he could find for motivation, anything he could find. And that was the thing for him. He's like, well – Barkley got it, so that that's really pissed me off. Also, uh, they think that uh, Dan Marley, because because Krause loved Dan Marley. That was the thing that really that was funny. He's like Krause liked Dan Marley and thought he was a great defender. He's like, I'm gonna show you he's not. Like everything was to like outprove anything that Jerry Krause did, which is funny because he basically assembled that team. Yeah. So. So the Bulls win the first two games, and Game Three is obviously the infamous triple overtime game when Barkley's like, "I'm not gonna let us lose," and 
awesome game, just crazy, like, feels like it was the wildest game ever. Probably probably the best game of, of Barkley's career, probably, in, 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 in complete retrospect, the most one of the most important games of his career. Yeah, that's another one we talk about, like, these dudes, like, never compare Draymond Green to Charles Barkley ever again. If you do, like, you will not be welcome to talk to Sean and I ever. Um, no. They're, they're not on the same level. Not they're even not. close. They're not on the same Barclay level. Barkley was an MVP. Barkley could score. Barkley was athletic. Like, Draymond's athletic, and Bar- Draymond could score, but he was no freaking Charles Barkley. No. Multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time NBA champion, which is two things that, you know, well, I mean, the championships is the one thing that, that Barkley didn't have. Bar- Barkley is a highly decorated basketball player, though. Yes. <laughs> one, of, one of the greatest of all time, and, and the greatest short power forward of all time. Yes, six five power forward. I mean, unbelievable. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping Zion might get there one day, but 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 we'll see. Yes. So the Bulls go up three one, and then of course the Suns win game five, and because they're you're talking talk about how the fans are cr- acting crazy, and there's that awesome thing where the like, presser when the guy goes, Charles, what do you say to the Chicago fans who are already celebrating championship? He's like, take that shit off the windows. You don't need it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Johnson's just cracking up laughing. Yeah, that was that was classic Barkley. That was classic Barkley. Which leads to classic Jordan when he says, like, I'm only packing one suit to Phoenix. We're coming home with this thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not yeah, he's like he's like, this is this is it's like we, we screwed up this game. We should have won tonight, you know. And they did the same thing, I wanna say, in nineteen ninety seven. Um, they had to they basically like I mean the parade was all set and everything, and of course the the jazz end up pushing them back to Utah and every, all the fans are just like, God, it's like, you know, the bulls are going to win. Just let it happen. You know what I'll I mean? Say like, how many of those six championships did they win on their home court? Did they close on their home court? I think one 96 was on their home courts Two um, then. Yeah. Portland was on their yeah. home court. Yeah. Yeah. And all the, the other four were on the road. They won in Los Angeles at the, at the forum. Yeah. They won in Utah, those two. And then they won in Phoenix. Yeah. So yeah, um, game six, obviously they're down like they're down four with like forty seconds to go. Just like this unbelievable. Michael goes down and scores real quick, and of course the infamous play where John Paxson hits the three, where Michael Jordan passed the ball with the game on the no. Michael Jordan didn't have the ball in his hands with the game on the line, and someone else scored the winning shot. Didn't we just hear someone get criticized about this two years ago? Hmm. <laughs> huh. Weird. Didn't Larry Bird do the same thing when the Celtics won a championship? Hmm. hmm. Weird. Crazy guys. But yes. So John Paxton hits the three to take the one point lead, and Paxton's like, "The ball wasn't even supposed to go to me, but I was ready." You know, like. And now John Paxton has done a great job making sure the Bulls don't win anything. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, the one thing about winning that championship, and of course John Paxton, you know, drawing the defense in, and you know. Tossing that back, the the trust that John Paxson is going to hit a game winning shot. I mean, that was one thing that made Jordan great, especially you know in his you know in the nineties. You know, especially with you know Steve Kerr ended up hitting one of the game winning shots, I believe, in ninety seven. So it's uh, you know he he trusted his teammates, and I mean it really was. I mean that's for John Paxson. You know uh, he's he's lived long enough to see himself a villain, but. Uh, that was that was kind of the pinnacle of your career. I can't I can't imagine. Uh, you think about it. It's like a, a guy who's. I mean, he was also a coach on the '96 team, so I don't know how many championships he has altogether. I think four, uh, with one of those rings. Uh, but uh, you look back at that, and it's like that was that was probably one of the. It's like gonna be one of the greatest moments of your life, you know. And it's like he's been such a villain since then. 
Yeah, that you know, 91, because he has that game in 91 when they win the title, where yeah, he's just yeah. nuts. Yeah, he did have the nuts game, but hitting hitting the, the game-winning shot in the NBA Finals, I think, is every person's dream. So, yeah. you know, so he did get that, and, and getting that nod from Michael Jordan to take that shot is... Uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool, but you know, it, it was just kind of funny the, the the reaction. You know, when they interviewed him for that, he was just kind of like, "Yeah, it was it's a very special time for me." You know, but like that was it. You know what I mean? It's like that was the moment. That was the moment. That was it. So, I don't know. Uh, what what are you looking forward to in the next episode? So the next episode, I'm sure we're gonna get into. Like I said, so they talk about they've already ESPN's already released a clip where they show him. Uh, they show Michael. And Steve Kerr talking about the fight of practice. So, um, you know, the baseball stuff, I'm sure it's going to be touched on with the timeline. That's what it kind of looks like now. But I'm excited to talk to talk about that the Bulls team because it seems like it's always overlooked. And we've talked about this before so many times that Scottie Pippen should have been the MVP in 1994. He was unbelievable for that he Bulls was. team. He was. They won 55 games. I mean, they, you know, there's a, they're a phantom foul away from playing for another NBA championship. I don't know if they would have beat the Rockets without Jordan. No. But Pippen was definitely like, Pippen was stepped out of that shadow. And so I'm really excited to talk about that because that was Phil's, like, a lot of people say that was Phil Jackson's best coaching, which is hilarious when you think about a guy who's coached, what, 10 championships? Yeah. Something crazy like that? So 11, 11 NBA champs he's been the coach of. I, I will say this. I will say this. And this is, uh, one thing, you know, uh, you know, we talk about we talk about, you know, Scottie Pippen being able to lead that team and, and probably wouldn't be able to beat that Rockets team. But the Rockets were like the one team that were able to get the best of the Bulls during the 90s. I think they beat them more than any other team um, from that that from that decade. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is like because the, their matchups, you know, and and Steve or Sam Smith talked about this a little bit on his podcast. That he didn't think they would win. Everyone's like, "Oh, they could have won eight straight. They wouldn't have won eight straight." I completely agree with that. They would have lost one or two of those. Um, but uh, you know, Otis Thorpe was like a really good defender back then. There were there were players that matched up very well against the Bulls over those years. And if you look back, if you start glancing down at their you know their games. In the '90s, you'll see that the Bulls lost most of them. Yeah, like if you roll the ball out for the finals and you have B.J. Armstrong going against Kenny Smith, I think I'm taking Kenny Smith in that one. Yeah, just saying. Scottie Pippen versus Clyde Drexler. I still take Scottie Pippen, but I think it's close. Um, you know, Hakeem versus you know X Y Z center and power forward. Hakeem, in my opinion, is the most talented center of all time. So. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take Elijah on there. So yeah, it's you know you're you're totally right. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to them kind of getting into the Scotty year and a half where he was kind of the guy and just showed like how good he can be and that he was a top five NBA player um, at his in his t- era. I mean in his time tenure, I should say. I don't know if I put Scotty top five in the '90s. I probably would. I don't know. I have to sit and think about it. But uh, what about you? Where would I put Scotty? No, what, where, what are you looking forward to in the next couple episodes? Oh, what am I looking for in the next couple episodes? Well, I, I definitely want to – I mean, I want to, I want to hear about, uh, obviously, the baseball. Uh, I am looking forward to that because that's kind of when I started getting into it, when he left the game um, and, and came back. The return is what, what really excites me because, like I said, that was when I, I got into basketball was, was right. his, first, his first game back against the Pacers at Market Square Arena. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. They lost that game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, He did not shoot well. I want to see that. I want to see more on um, 
the uh, the playoffs that year too, where they lost to the Orlando Magic because we've seen it from the Orlando Magic perspective on that documentary, This Magic Moment, which is like one of my favorite docs ever. It's so good. It's so good. It just there's nothing that takes me back to the '90s like that doc. I, I watch it a lot. I've probably watched that documentary like ten times. Not even yeah, gonna lie. Same because the Orlando Magic have never captured that cool ever again. I know they went to the finals since then, but no. like. It was, They've never been that cool. It's, it's a lightning and a, and a bottle moment, uh, Tim. It's never going to happen again. Agreed, man. Agreed. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. I really want to hear what he has to say about, you know, you know Nick Anderson stealing the ball from him and everything. Like, I'm really interested because, of course, they came back the next year and just wiped the floor with Orlando. Just absolutely wiped the floor with yeah, them. Yeah, they sent so, Shaq to Los Angeles. But they, but they, they didn't have Rodman that year. You know, that was the other thing. So um, they didn't. Yeah, Rodman have, was out doing nitro. Yeah, <laughs> was it that year he was doing nitro? Yeah, the, it was '98. It was. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about when he came back to bat. When they came. When when Jordan came back to basketball that next year. Oh 96, no, no, 96. no 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 yeah Rodman 96. was in San Antonio yeah yeah that's what I'm saying yeah he was in San Antonio in '95 that was they got Rodman and the next year they wiped the floor with them so uh you know so I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to the most um and you know a little bit of talk about the '97 season obviously too which I feel like is is kind of forgotten about yeah because I think a lot of people seem to think the '97 Bulls was the best of that run. Uh, I don't think man. so. Ninety six. I mean, ninety six. They were incredible. Yeah. Ninety six. But ninety seven, they had the best backup center of all time. Uh, Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish, baby. <laughs> Forty one years old. <laughs> he looked started, like he, he looked like he was seventy then. <laughs> played like five games for them. Like he started five games for them. It's all about them rings, baby. <laughs> it was for sure. <laughs> he just kept getting them. <laughs> Him and John Sally. John Sally's like one's those ones with the Pistons. He's got a Bulls J- one. He's got hey, a Lakers J- one. J- James Edwards got one of those too, man. That's so right. He, he, got, he got him a Bulls ring too. So yeah, because Isaiah Thomas, I remember one time he tried to say he's like the Bulls hated us so much, but they had Dennis Rodman, James Edwards, John Sally. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have Isaiah though. <laughs> nope, and they never would. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, this was fun to kind of do. Again, don't forget, check out the website. We're talking about the, the Jordan brand sneakers this week, 48minutesnetwork.com. We'll have an article up um, that we're all working on, we're all contributing to. So, um, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week. We'll be back next week, and we've got some fun stuff coming up um, that we're going to put together. So stay tuned and follow us on social media at 48minutesnetwork, N-T-W-R-K. And if you are listening to us for the first time and you like what you hear, be sure to give us a subscription and that nice solid five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Everyone, thank you again. Have a good night.